This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I'm joined again with Jim Sebastio and another special guest. Hopefully you just listened to the podcast episode with Austin Walker. And now we have his wife with us that Jim's going to introduce in a moment. Before we do that, let's. I want to encourage you to go to practicalshepherding.com. And you can also go to Sponsor Pastor. It's a great way to financially support the ministry. And you can also reach out to us. Go to the contact page. And if we can serve you in any way, please, please do that. I'm going to ask Jim, though, to introduce our guest since I met her through you like and you knew her like 30 years before I did so why don't you introduce her yes it's a real privilege uh, for me to be able to introduce one of my uh, dearest friends in life and uh, that is uh, my walker uh, so it's M-A-I it's a Welsh name uh, former my Jones uh, from Wales and we're gonna have my say something to us in Welsh here in just a minute uh, just real quickly, I met Mai in 1988. Uh, I was contacted while I was a student in seminary to ask if I could go. And it, it was kind of a dual thing. On the one hand, do an internship for myself, but also help a man in ministry that had been pastoring for years without a break. And so I'm 25 years old. Uh, I'm, I've never been in England. I, I have a stereotype of what England is like and Englishmen are like. And I fly overnight, I'm wearing a suit, maybe even a three-piece suit, I can't remember at that time, thinking to myself, well, I'm going to be prim and proper when I am with all of these Englishmen, you know, because, you know, uh, stiff up a lip and all that, you know, what, what, here we are. So I step off the plane, and there's Mai, and she throws her arms around me, oh, hi, she says, and hugs me, and I knew I was at home. And all those fears, but I, but I felt they could not have made me feel more at home uh, than I did. And I loved her from that moment, and uh, I could get all emotional. Love her dearly uh, to this day. So welcome to um, Trench Talk, my walker. Now, if you play that backwards, uh, <laughs> it says, it says uh, buy high and sell. <laughs> no, it's, it's, uh, it is a, that's a bit of Welsh. And do you want to, I, I had, was that insulting me because I had no. you know, offered to allow you to insult me in Welsh? No, not at all. Well, uh, real quickly, just as a catch up, um, we'll get a few domestic things uh, here. So, my you and Austin have been married for fifty-two years. Yes. Which her husband got right. Her husband got right. It was very good. Uh, mother of four, two uh, gentlemen, and and two fine ladies, and yes. grandmother of ten. Yes. All right. So you can catch a little bit about Austin gave uh, some of the biographies of the children. Some of you who listen to this will probably be most familiar with Jeremy Walker. Jeremy is the author of a, a good number of books, and then you may have seen documentaries like Through the Eyes of Spurgeon uh, that is narrated uh, by uh, Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy uh, is also a good friend to both of us. I, I first met, when I first met Jeremy, he was 13 years old and unconverted. Uh, uh, back uh, long ago uh, in the uh, in the home. So, Mai, we want to talk to you about your own life and a bit about 
um, life in ministry as a partner uh, in ministry and really as one who ministered yourself. Like a lot of people would know this. My, you preached before Austin probably preached, and I understand you were a better preacher. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> and there are some things I regret. Ah, okay. Well, you, um, so tell us a little bit about your, your upbringing. So you were, you are born in Wales. Uh, yes. So tell us a little bit about uh, what many would not know, be really over familiar with Wales, a city, a, 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 a little no. town, a farm, no. or what were you, what yes. were you born in? A farming community uh, on the foothills of the Bracken Beacons in the top end of South Wales. I've been blessed to travel around there with you. Yes, so it's, I, I, it's a I, beautiful I, I, part it of the is world. It's a beautiful, a beautiful part. Um, were you raised in a religious home, or no, you... a very moral home, very knowing right and wrong. The family, the whole family, would help to keep you on the straight and narrow. And uh, nice people, moral people, upright people, um, but not religious in many ways but maybe not taking on a personal faith in christ now would the church of england have been in, in that i mean would you have church been of wales it's so a church of wales so were you baptized as an infant or anything uh, no, like that no or no, you no no christened no, or dedicated no any... no so tell us how you uh, how did the lord work in your heart then well um my father died when i was five and my brother and I watched that accident, no. walking home from school. Um, so we had to leave the farming community and go down into a local village and um, didn't have much time for religion at all. Um, I spent most Sunday, well, all Sunday mornings, delivering newspapers with my brother. Mm. Um, and when I was in my mid-teens, one of my friends from school, I went to a Welsh-speaking primary school, but then went on to an English uh, grammar school. And one Easter, a friend of mine called Susan went to Liverpool to uh, stay with her aunt, who was a Liverpool city missioner. Mm. And she came back and was converted there. So I didn't really want to be her friend anymore, so she had to go. <laughs> and then in the summer of that same year, another friend of mine from the village called Helen, who I'm in still contact with, mm. um, she went to a summer camp and she was converted there. Mm. So I no longer wanted to be her friend. Mm. And then in the September of the following year, uh, another friend of mine called Delster um, asked me to go to a meeting with her to, one of the, uh, to the church that she went to at the time. And I was shocked and was upset and did not want anything more to do with religion. And she had to go. <laughs> now Helen was very faithful and gave me tracts and uh, she was associated with one or two of the churches in the village and in like most Welsh, Welsh villages there were loads of churches and um, 
one or two of the ladies in the local Pentecostal church, one in particular, would always say to me, my, we're praying for you. And I would say, I don't want you to pray for me. Mm. Do not, I don't want anything to do with you. And if I saw her coming along the road, I would go into a shop to avoid her. Mm. And that, the, the, they kept on giving me um, tracts to read and tried to talk to me. And I really, the last thing I wanted to be was a Christian. Mm. My brother was a scientist. I was studying science. I went on to study science at university. And it did not tally with religion, as far as I was concerned. And then I did start start reading some of these little leaflets they gave me. And um, it was in the year after, so for five years this went on. And I was quite stubborn. Still am, probably. And I... Um, it was in the November of the fifth year, and I was asked to go to a, a young people's meeting at home with a pastor that's uh, pastoring or has been pastoring in the States called Irvon Hughes. Mm. Pastor Irvon mm. Hughes, he was down in Grove City, I think. And he was very straight with me, as was Helen and her parents. And all the stuff that I'd read just seemed to come together. And in that instant, on that November Saturday night, I suddenly realized that I did need this savior. And I resisted up until, not the last minute, but in that sort of hour, I had a real battle working out what I needed to do I should do, and it was then that I became a Christian. Mm. I realized that, you know, this was true, and Christ did come to do a work mm. for those who trust in him. And you were how old here, Mai? Uh, about 15, 16. So were you and Austin converted roughly the, the same time? Very near each other, yes. Oh, wonderful. Although we had no idea of each other's presence, right. And if anybody had told me I would marry an Englishman, I would have laughed. <laughs> um, and then on that first Sunday morning, I went to the same church as Helen did, um, a godly man. And I can remember my brother standing on the doorstep saying, she's really going. She, she's really going to church. Come and see what she's doing. So anyway, I went and the gentleman who was the pastor there was uh, an older man called Harry H.H. H. Williams and he preached in Welsh of course and powerfully mm. after I'd been there for a good few months I was taken to a, a tarry meeting where people tarried for the gift of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. Now, I was a farming farmer's daughter. I was, family were very down to earth, very realistic. And suddenly to be in this community of people who were just saying the name of Jesus over and over again and sort of writhing about, I thought, 
if this is Christianity, I don't want anything to do with it. Mm. And I remember the pastor coming down. He was a nice man um, in the village, and he stood uh, alongside my row and said, told the congregation that there was someone resisting the spirit. Mm. And I thought, well, I know it's me. And I don't know how I had the gall to do it, but I said, it's me and I'm off. <laughs> so I got up and I walked to the back of the church and I walked to my pastor's house. I knocked on his back door and I said, I've just come to tell you I'm not coming to church anymore. And he said, come on in. And I said, no, I won't come in. I didn't want to be rude and say, I'm not coming and not turn up but I just wanted to let you know. And he said, just stay there, I'll go and get you something. So he went to his study and brought a book out and said, will you do me one favor? Will you read this book? I, yes, I said, I would do that. And he said, he gave me this book and it was A.A. A. Hodge on the Westminster Confession of Faith. Huh. Now, a gentleman called Warren Peel said, I've never known that you've been used as a tract before. <laughs> and I read it, and it grounded me in the truth, mm. and I've never looked back since. And when I went to university in Aberystwyth, uh, my husband didn't know where it was or how to say it. Um, in the first week in Freshers Week, someone came up to me and asked me, um, are you uh, an Arminian or are you a Calvinist? And I said, well, you tell me what an Arminian believes. And he told me, and I said, well, if you think that, you've never read the first chapter of Ephesians. <laughs> and it, life at university went on from there, really. Um, Yes. So you, you, you met Austin at Aberystwyth. Yes. A tall, skinny uh, Englishman. Yes. And uh, I, I don't know if I should ask first impressions or... or it or... did not start well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so was he chasing I, you? I would like to know more. Uh, <laughs> I don't think this is the forum to speak of that. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Austin is still in the room, even yes. though uh, but he's... Uh, he, we're not giving oh, him the microphone. Oh, now. he's heard it before. Oh, I know he has because I've heard it. Before, and so. Um, yes. So, so is it safe to say you married an Englishman and a pastor? Yes. So Eventually. did you know you were marrying a pastor? You knew you were marrying an Englishman, but did you know you were marrying a pastor also? Um, not at that time. I okay. did not. No. Okay. Well, I we didn't marry for a few years later than that. Okay. Okay. Um, I went away then to do some post-grad work in another university in England, and he stayed in Aberystwyth. Okay. So. So what were your first impressions when Austin started to feel call in the ministry? The reason I ask this, there's, there's a lot of women I meet who marry their husbands, and their husbands have no I idea they want to pursue ministry. And then they pursue ministry, and the wife is saying, Yes, it isn't exactly what I signed up for. Did you have that experience? No. Okay. I, I, by the time that occurred, I realized that he was training for the ministry. Okay. And in God's providence, 
I've had the honour and the privilege of sitting um, under many ministries of godly men um, like Professor John Murray and many others. And I've been Lord in... Lloyd-Jones. Yes, and yeah, absolutely. And I've been in the homes of... I've been in the homes of many pastors and their wives. So I had some inkling okay. of uh, what was expected. And they were great examples to me. Well, I have to interrupt at this moment. You brought it up, but I feel obligated. You're Welsh, and there are people who won't want me to ask you, did you meet Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones? And yes. When, did you know him very well? No, not very well. Okay. Knew a lot about him. Okay. I'd heard him preach in Welsh. Okay. And, uh, yes. Okay. All right. So... <clears throat> Talk about, um, you, you get married, you go and you all plant the church in Crawley. Ministry begins uh, in that place. Yes. What was that like for you, those early years of being a pastor's wife? Uh, what, at what point did you have your first child uh, in the midst of all of that? We came back, yeah, we came back from um, America in 1971. And um, we had our first child in 1973, so it was three years after we were married. And um, what was the question? Yeah, just the... So where were you in... You, you become a mother. Yes. Where are you in the ministry? Have you all planted in Crawley already by that time? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we were in Crawley by that time. Okay. And um, What was it like being a, a new pastor's wife, and now juggling motherhood, what was that season like for you? Terrifying. <laughs> explain more. <laughs> Other people will relate to this, so that's why explain more. Yes, it was, um, my husband was teaching full-time and preaching, and we lived in a small apartment. Um, I wasn't used to children, really. Um, <laughs> And I, yes, I've, those first few years were very, very difficult. Um, yeah, it was uh, very um, demanding. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure what people expected mm. of me and of the way I had, I was going to help in the church and help bring up this child. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it wasn't easy. So maybe talk to us a little bit about that, because I'm curious by what you saw as your role in the church. Did um, uh, Some women are not nearly as involved, uh, from my knowledge of you. you. You got quite involved in the lives of the people in the church, and uh, you were... Uh, I think you were by Sunday school, but but also counseling and and being involved in uh, a lot of people's lives. Yes. Uh, did you anticipate that? Did that come naturally? Did you feel called to that particularly? No, I was just a friend to people. Okay. Yeah. And open. I think one of the characteristics God has given me, maybe sometimes, um, too much so, is to be honest with people. Yes. And, and to be understanding of their situations. You know, life up to that point 
growing up w wasn't easy. Um, we were quite poor. Mm -hmm. It was tough at times. Mm -hmm. And um, I identified with those who'd gone through hardship. Mm -hmm. um, yes. And I, I, I enjoyed speaking to people. Whether I would have used the term counselling, mm -hmm. um, I probably wouldn't have done so at the time, that I was just there if people needed. Mm. Um, we had many people in our home um, with and without their children. It was you know, busy, very, very busy time. My, I sense that you would have done this even, you know, had Austin been a school teacher or carpenter. Uh, yes. That, that, that it's just in your heart, it's, and it's part of the way God has put you together. Yes, and did, I, I did. Did you feel a special any special pressure because you were pastor's wife to do that, or was it just more like, I just think this is what's right to this is what a Christian with my gifts and you know, not everybody has yeah. your gifts, not everybody has your personality, but you're very open, and as you say, you're very you're very direct, but you you're direct in a way. Um, that it's okay. I mean, you, 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 you can say hard things to people in Careful. a way that doesn't chase them off. It, it often melts hearts and, and wins them. But that's the role of a Christian woman, not a part, well, and a pastor's wife, but not just because she's a pastor's wife. So and, can you flesh that out a little bit, Mai? Because you, I mean, I, I mentioned this, you, you did, you, you preached some. Yes, a little bit. So but that was before when, I went to university. Okay, but, but but you did that kind of ministry. Yes. And you just mentioned a, a Christian woman's ministry. What do you see that to be? What would you say to a, a, a girl, a young woman, or any woman who wants to serve the Lord, and you say, okay, well, we maybe we have certain convictions about women and pastorate, and, but sometimes that means just while well, women don't do anything in the church, women have no role in ministry in the church. What did you What did you see, and what would you encourage women to do and to be as far as? I would say that the wife's role is to support her husband. She does not have an eldership role in the church. She's not the pastor's assistant. She's not. You know, she is a, a woman who is a wife to a man who is a pastor but yet you but you got so involved what i what i mean is that for some for some i, I and i agree with that i think that you know the uh a pastor's wife is not an unofficial unpaid role uh, in the church where so. she has to do all of this yes but you did lay hold of opportunity you you have met with so many people you have ministered to so many you've given friendship you we talked about whether you want to call it counsel or friendship what do you what do you see as what did you see as your role in the church uh, just just as your own individual person in the church regardless in a sense of what Austin did what did you see as your role in in in, in loving and ministering to people being aware of what and God has given me I believe uh, an insight and uh, an ability to pick up vibes from people who may not even want to be open and just to get alongside them mm. and to help them to express what they're feeling deep in their hearts. Mm. Um, 
and to identify with that and to get alongside them and give them an opportunity to share but never to speak of never to speak of what they've said to anybody else mm. a, a pastor's wife has to learn to keep her mouth shut <laughs> tight mm. my we asked Austin a similar kind of question about just joys and struggles in, in the ministry mm. as as a pastor's wife what's what's a couple of things that you know brought you a lot of joy in getting to serve in this kind of role in the church to be able to do ministry with your husband what's some joys that you experienced from that to see people being built up in their faith to see them changing from being scared to having the confidence to live before God as they ought to have confidence perhaps to speak to others if if you know they're able to do that mm -hmm. um, yeah to see them growing and to I tried to encourage them, um, especially as in the years before we left, to be able to take meetings themselves, to be able to take a Bible study, um, to pray, maybe public, you know, in a, in a small group. Mm -hmm. We had a, a ladies' prayer meeting. Um, some people found it difficult, but, you know, just to encourage them a little at a time, mm. so, that, so that you could see and they could see that they were being built up in their faith mm. and in their confidence to be what God intended them to be. Mm. That's great. What about hard things? What were some of the hard things, struggles uh, about being about being a pastor's wife? Um, it's not always easy when your best friend is being criticised. Hmm, you don't say. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to be very gracious in your response, mm -hmm. even though there are times when that graciousness is very thin mm. and you want to retaliate. And it's you have to work on that. Um, I often used to say to the ladies, we all need to learn to talk to ourselves and not listen to ourselves mm. and use the word of God to build up those uh, characteristics that should be there and not the, the, those that are sometimes our natural instinct mm. to defend those we love mm. and to, um, yeah, to be, again, honest about it, to take their criticisms and to turn that into something that you can encourage your husband to do if some of the criticisms were had some element of truth in them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mind, be, did did so, you ever have times when you wanted to give up, when you wanted to say, let's just leave this or let's go somewhere else? Uh, uh, were there ever any times when you, you prayed or, or pleaded with Austin to move on to something no, easier? No. Okay. I think uh, Austin said when he spoke that he had stickability. Grit. Yeah. Grit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think... We both had grit, and it was tough at times. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah, it, there were difficulties because a pastor's life is very busy, and generally people have no idea how busy pastors are. Mm -hmm. 
and how difficult it is to um, counsel people who aren't always very nice to them, who don't understand um, how hard they do work. It's, yeah, that was tough, but we have to be honest. So would you speak a moment about your children and the impact that them growing up in a pastor's home had on them? Could be a good thing, it could be a bad thing, could be both, whatever you want to say about that. But, you know, you as you cared for your children and, and your husband, like, what, what are some observations that you saw in your own home on how being a pastor's family, how it affected them? Growing children for God was probably the hardest thing I ever did. Mm. And it they weren't always easy. And my children, thankfully, have strong personalities, each one of them, each different, each able to drive you to the wall and beyond in their own particular way. And one of my phases, phrases to one of my most interesting of children was, in the providence of God, I am your mother. You don't like it. I don't like it. But that's the way it is. And I think, you know, and we, I am very thankful that I have a great relationship with my children and I do remember when I was converted and in the years that followed that I would always remember how grown up I felt when I was 16 and that I did I would not want to speak down to teenagers as if they were kids because teenagers really feel they know what they're doing. They don't, of course, but they 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 feel that, yeah. and they don't like that diminishing of um, of them. And I, I think that stayed with me right through. And that's true in the churches that we're the church we're in now. You know, it's the young people that put the the barrier between young and old. And as old people, it's important that we try and get alongside them and help them to realize that the outward man may be diminishing, mm -hmm. but the inward, you know, we're like them, but everything else changes. Mm -hmm. And it's be it does work if you persevere. Yeah. Like my grandchildren think I'm nuts. <laughs> so that's fine. Yeah. Well, my, you, you've raised, you and Austin have raised really four remarkable children all, all in their own way. Uh, two of them yeah, have gained a degree of prominence. Uh, what's that like being uh, mother to some, in, in different circles, uh, famous children? I'm just their mother. Okay. And that's all I am. And do you have people say, is it, is it hard at all to have, oh, are you so-and-so's mother when you're used to being your, they used to be your kids and now you're their mother. Oh, yes. Uh, is, is, yes. That, is that ever hard? It's, it's, it, um, God has given me the ability to smile at it because, oh, you're Jeremy's mother. Oh, and you're Daniel's mother and you're Austin's wife. Yeah. 
Yes, but I'm me too. Yes, yes. Well, you are, uh, I don't know a more competent woman. Uh, Can you say that uh, again? I don't know a more competent woman. I'm willing to say that. I will put that, I will put that in. And so my wife's listening. I said, I don't know a more competent. I didn't say she was more competent back. I'm just saying as competent. I don't know. But that's but, not you know, how I And I'm I married feel. a woman like that too, you yeah. know. But, but uh, you're, you, you, uh, for 18 years, your your son became one of your pastors. What was that like to have, to sit under the ministry? It, I, I will tell him not to listen to this part. It was a privilege for me to sit under his ministry mm. when he had been tough to mm. grow for God. Yeah, well, I remember those days. Yes. I, 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 in fact, I may have been there when you gave that famous line to him. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, but yes, and I, it was a privilege to sit under his ministry. Mm-hmm. So, my what advice would you give to a a, a a woman who's married to a man? They're just starting out. They're just starting to be a pastor, and she's trying to f- get her own feet on the ground. What, what what would you say to a woman like that? Talk to your husband. Be honest with your husband. as to how you feel Um, encourage him Um, learn to um, not talk about him to other people other women in the church Mm. you know you can listen to what's being said but do not comment on any part of him you may know what his weaknesses are you probably know better than anybody but they don't need to know that and not that you put them on a pedestal but you know you're there to protect them and to defend them if that occurs Would that advice change to somebody who's, say, let's say, because you went through, you, you started out, you were in your early 20s as a pastor's wife, you finished when you were after 70, right? You were, so you went from early 20s to being 70, and, and would that advice change at all through the years? As Because some listening to this may be in the middle years, and you know, mm. that's... There's different challenges at the beginning, in the middle years, and toward the end. You need to be his friend more than anything else. And he needs to know that you support him and that you will defend him and you will be honest with him. And sometimes that honesty may hurt. But by that time, they should know that you are saying what you are saying for their good and not just to be mean. When you and Austin would disagree, like maybe a decision in the church, how would you handle that? Would you talk to him about it? Would you say something? Would you just let let it go? Or would it depend on the situation? I probably wouldn't let it go. But I would, I would, again, I would be honest with him mm. and we would try and see both sides of the argument or both sides of the, both opinions and see where um, some of this criticism was coming from and what we could do to 
work together to sort it out. That's great. So what um, kind of any final words you would give to the pastors listening to this? So uh, as a pastor's wife of, you know, almost 50 years, uh, what would you say to the men in regard to how to best care for their wives in the ministry? Encourage their wives, talk to them, ask them their opinion on some things, on some things, obviously, the wife has no right to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and that, for some that have spoken to me, that can be hard. Um, because as women, we often want to know what's going on. Right, sure. As everybody does. Yeah. And it's not our business. What other people talk to him about is private and not to be spoken of outside the study Mm. unless spoken to the other elders Mm. that they're working together with but it's just to be to remain friends with your wife Mm. and to trust them Mm. and in some circumstances to listen to them and make sure you spend time with them so they don't have to write a letter to you asking (laughs) for a meeting to discuss what's happening to the children. So that's a bad idea, is yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Just write, to write the letter. That's great. Mike, I'm grateful for you. Thank you for uh, being willing to come and, and chat with us. We're going to, when we wrap this episode in a minute, but would you maybe share one or two ways? I'm going to ask Jim to pray for you in a moment. Would you maybe mention one or two ways we can be praying for you uh, in these days? That I maintain my Christian walk with faithfulness and prepare for heaven even more Um, because mortality becomes much more real as you reach your late 70s Mm. you know these are bonus years god only promises 70 so we we've had quite a few bonus years already (laughs) and uh, we trust him to get us there and to and the pastor's job is to prepare his people for heaven Thank you. You pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this uh, time to speak to your servant. Thank you for her. Thank you for her life and ministry. Thank you for her service to the church and for your people. And Lord, do pray that in the years to come, and we pray there will be many more of these bonus years, but until you take her home uh, to yourself, that you'd continue your deep work in her, making her even more like the Lord Jesus and using her for your honor and glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.